0: Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name's James Iris, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone! And today we have uh, a discussion on a game that has become sort of... What's the phrase I'm looking for? Phenomenon? is like a boomerang. It just keeps coming back.
1: Frogger is just timeless. Let's just be honest. Everyone has played Frogger in some way, shape, or form. Some version of it. Just, we've all done it. Like, you know, from playing it on the Atari all the way up to, I I remember playing a um, an advanced Game Boy version of it that was kind of like an RP backslash, like, adventure game. I can't even remember the name of it. But like, oh, Frogger's Adventure, the Temple of the Frog. That's what it was. And yes, I did scroll down to check to look in the list of Frogger games. Like, this is a game that I swear to God, like, once 2000 hit, like, it has not been out of print. Like, there's always a new Frogger game coming out at some point in time. Like, every year there was a new Frogger game. So, yeah, like, Frogger, man, give it a rest, boy. You're working them hoppers too much. Even to the current iteration that we'll probably be talking about soon. And is my new addiction. Right. My niece's new addiction. Sorry, Haley. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Frogger.
0: Yeah. I was just waiting. I didn't want to cut you off.
1: But you can always cut me off. Be like, Chrissy. I couldn't find the name of the person who actually created Frogger. I got the name of the companies, but not the person.
0: I, I've got the name right here. Ooh. According an unsourced article on uh, Mental Itch. That I looked up when I was writing my blog entry for the old Far City Comic Con blog. I am on a indefinitely hiatus from because these podcasts are taking me so long.
1: Although if anyone ever gets a chance to go and check those out, James is a very prolific writer. And he's very good to... his, re, his writing is very good to read. I highly recommend it. They're on the Patreon for FC3. So, if you want to check out more gaming stuff definitely check out James's blog.
0: So this, the story is developer Akira Hashimoto got the idea when he himself saw a frog having difficulty crossing a street. And in a moment of compassion, he scooped the frog up and got it across himself. Now, I checked a few more sites when I did the research for that blog article back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even confirm that he was the developer. So yeah, <laughs> this... This is a bit of a mystery when, when a place called Mental Itch is the only place I can find that identifies a developer. Like nothing on Wikipedia or anything like that. Nothing oh, on the Frogger Wiki. Yes, there's a Frogger Wiki.
1: Yeah, there is. Actually, I do see here developing Reese's like this little like two sentence blog on the Wiki saying that Akakira Hashimoto came up with it the story you said he saw a frog having issue going across the road and was compassionate and helped the frog and then the idea of frogger came which would make sense to me because i mean after all the first part of the game of frogger is trying to make it across a busy road without getting splatted i will not tell you how many times in my childhood i died in the second row of cars
0: now, there's been some apocryphal stories about the game's origin that I've heard from various websites and other places, none of which were sourced, of course. Mm-hmm. One person stated that it was inspired by the construction of an Australian highway, which is why there's so many bulldozers all in a row in the game. And another story uh, ties it back to an old Jonathan Winters stand-up routine about a frog trying to cross the street. That I was admittedly skeptical about.
1: I am too, but knowing Jonathan Winters and and his repertoire of stuff he's done, I wouldn't be surprised. Remember, this is the man that inspired Robin
0: Williams. Right, right. But anyhow, the game came out in 1981. It was originally released and developed by Konami in Japan and distributed abroad by Sega Gremlin.
1: Yep, Sega Gremlin did it for uh, North America. They also did it, uh, it was mostly Sega and Konami who did it for the PALS region and Japan. This was actually another one of those games that did not take as long of a jump from Japan to North America. Uh, In this case, nine months. Most games either take years or never at all. It doesn't give a date when it went out into Europe in the PALS region, so just says the year of 1981. We all know but everyone will know that will remember, will know the sound of Frogger because it did a very interesting thing with Yankee Doodle
0: and a lot of other music but back on the subject of distribution i do want to mention apparently executives at Sega Gremlin in the corporate structure of the Amer- of the american side of the game thought it was too kiddy but Elizabeth Falconer was championing it to the board and basically pointed out to them that they hadn't learned the lessons of Pac-Man. And sure enough, a bar test later, she was proven right and and they relented. Yeah. Yet another reason why more people in the video game boys club should listen to women.
1: Exactly. And we will do an episode podcast honoring the women in gaming when Women's Mm. Month comes up. I yes yes that. that
0: is on the slot for march
1: yep and the as other of thing the also, second yeah and also the other thing too is soft line which was one of the reviewing magazines i have to say this is my best line because it's so true fogger has earned the ominous distinction of being the video current video arcade game with the most ways to die
0: oh yes uh-huh and in hit case by a car you die Fail to land on a turtle or log, you die. Miss one of the frog homes, uh, the little alcoves at the top, by a millimeter, you die.
1: Jumping into the river of water, you die. Running into snakes, you die. If you sit on the alligator for too long,
0: you die. You make contact with the alligator's mouth at any point, you die. I believe there's a stoat in there, as starting at around the third level. Yep. That'll kill you.
1: Oh, and if you happen to ju- jump into the frog home and the alligator comes out of the frog home, you die. So just so you know, you die. Yeah. This this game, I swear, or if you jump into a home already occupied by another frog, you die. Jumping into the side of the home, you die. Jump into the bush, you die. Run out of times, you die. Literally, there is absolutely, like, you have to be pitch perfect, amazing in your timed jumps. Or guess what you do, people? You die. And
0: on that note, on its entry in the book, 1001 Video Games You Have to Play Before You Die, the writer on Frogger says that Frogger is a game you should not be able to die in. To which Christy and I have uh, two words, only one of which can be said in general polite company, but we're going to say both of them anyway. Bullshit.
1: Pretty much. You suck. That's what I have to say. <laughs> you see, I, I can play frogger and not die. You suck.
0: I've rarely made it past stage three, to be truthful.
1: My my five-year-old inner self is pretty much looking at you and is raspberrying you right now. Because like I said, I never made it past the second row. Like I had to have my sister come and help me get to at least the logs. I could do the logs, but it was always the freaking cars. Man, I love the fact that um, after Falconer actually did do the whole thing and explained why it was appealing and she did this whole presentation, she told the group her ending line is, Let me, ha-, so pretty much said, Let her have her goddamn kids' game. After she did this huge presentation and she convinced him, she's like, Just let me have the goddamn game. Because they, they said they were rejecting him because it was a woman and kids' games.
0: Again. They did not learn the lessons of Pac-Man, let alone Centipede.
1: Yeah, the people who were in that meeting for Frogger were the same people who turned down Pac-Man and she called them out on it oh She replied by, "So one of the executives, uh Jack Cameron Gordon, tossed the booklet back, saying Fri- Frogger had already been rejected because it was a woman and kids game." Falconer replied by speculating the executives in there were among the were also among those who turned down Pac Man, a comment that made the room go quiet. After seeing the deflation resistance, she explained why it was appealing: the memory easy memorized patterns. I call shit on that. The aesthetics, attractiveness. I will say that it is a f- for the time, a very aesthetically pleasing game and its catchy soundtrack that still haunts many of us to this day.
0: Yeah, that song that that you that you're hearing all the time, dun 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 dun, is a Japanese children's song, Inu no Omawaswari-san, which translates roughly to "The Dog Policeman," and it also includes some themes to anime songs from a few years prior to the game's release.
1: One of those is Hana no Ko Lun Lun and Rascal the Raccoon. I love how the, they, the one they have in there is in the English name, but the other one, they don't tell you what the English name is. Right. Job,
0: now, this was, of course, the Wild West of video game soundtracks, and Konami did not negotiate rights to use these songs in the first place and uh, when the time came and and actually they would need to re- negotiate those rights for re- re-releases onto platforms like say the Xbox 360 or the or other consoles of that era konami just went back into the code and either replaced or removed the offending material
1: which is mostly just the themes from the two, from the animes believe it or not the children the children the opening theme or the children's um child song is actually was public domain as is yankee doodle
0: and yet that one got removed too what yankee doodle not yankee doodle the 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 dog policeman
1: see that's very odd because that is actually in public domain agreed it helps to have a friend who's in japan and i send it i send him a quick text and i'm like is this public domain he's like yes it is i'm like okay Uh, maybe at the time they re-released it it might not have been because i know there's like that 75 year window Right. if there's anyone who knows what Yankee Doodle was written, that was back shortly after the Revolutionary or Yeah,
0: so Yankee Doodle War. would be the only holdover in, in a lot of the console ports of the arcade game from the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 era on onward up until its recent Arcade Archives release on the Switch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when Arcade 1-Up got their hands on it, uh, they they had other new music created. And I think just last year they had a Frogger 1981 edition, which I'm thinking the only difference is that they managed to get some of the music back in. So Dog Policeman is probably back now.
1: I wouldn't be... Yeah, because I think by now that is... I know, because according, according to my friend Kentaro, he just said that that is, tech, that is currently a public domain. So it must have either A, just came that way so they could use it, or B, Konami was too lazy to do their own research. Take your pick.
0: Given Konami's current state, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: We all know how we feel about Konami.
0: <laughs> yeah. But there's another complication to the Frogger legacy that does involve Konami and Sega. Rights hmm. disputes between the two made further follow ups to Frogger during the NES era non existent. It would take around nineteen ninety seven for us to see a genuine revival, and it came from the rights landing in the laps of Hasbro.
1: I like Hasbro. But we did freak- we did kind of gloss over that there was an actual sequel to Frogger that came out in nineteen
0: eighty four. Oh yeah, three deep from Parker Brothers. Mm-hmm. So
1: once Hasbro Interactive uh, got the rights to Frogger. I don't know if they still own the rights.
0: No, no, the rights are back in Konami's hands.
1: Okay. Well, that makes sense because Sega currently just went wah, wah. But when Hasbro took it over, they actually did a very expanded remake and that came off on Windows and PlayStation, which just was being released about that time that PlayStation, not Windows. We all know Windows has been around forever. Right. Windows 3.1. That's how old I am. However, this had multiple levels that were different from each other, and it was an actual commercial success, believe it or not, um, with pretty much the PC version selling 1 million units in less than 4 months. And they decided to go on that. They actually released ports of the original game on the Sega Genesis, which was late in the Sega Genesis life, the Super Nintendo, the Gamecom, the Game Boy, and the Game Boy Color.
0: That's correct.
1: Yep, so NES was going out, Game Boy was going out, Game Boy Color was just starting to take off.
0: And it was this relaunch of Frogger that inspired the revival of all kinds of dormant old school golden age arcade IP, ranging from Space Invaders to asteroids to Centipede to Missile Command and Dig Dug and all kinds of other things in that in that Playstation One slash Sega Saturn era. They were all over the place.
1: Yeah, just so you guys know, retro gaming is not a new thing. It's been around since the late 1998, which would it really be considered retrograding, James, considering we were 18 at the time. Yeah. Honestly, I really didn't get reinduced into Frogger again until my nephew got a Game Boy Advance. And he proceeded to play it once and then was like, I'm done. And I'm a gamer. And I was like, awesome, I'll play this. And that's when we—that's when I played Frogger's Adventures, The Temple of the Frog, which was interesting. And it was unlike the Frogger game I was used to, in which I'm like, okay, so where is? I'm like, where, where, where? Wait, there's no cars to run me over. What is this? I actually did better in that game than I ever did in actual Frogger. <laughs> oh, I was bad. I was really bad.
0: Sounds about right, actually. Yeah.
1: I did much better. It was actually almost like a role-playing game. So maybe that's why. But obviously, like we said, Frogger's been around for a bit um, and spawned many, many releases and clones,
0: including most notably Hipster Whale's popular indie game release on mobile platforms and that you can still find in Dave and Buster arcades across our nation, Crossy Road. Mmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, actually to give it kind of a rival, uh, back in 1983, they did come out with a game called Frostbite. Okay. Uh, there was also Preppy, <laughs> which changed the frog into a Preppy. And if you don't know what a Preppy is, go go to Urban Dictionary. Uh, who was retrieving golf balls at a country club while trying not to get hit by golf carts. Okay. So Frogger also did have a cartoon as part of the Saturday, Saturday Supercade. Cartoon. Yep, that's lineup. on the
0: list for uh, the Pemi and James show when that comes back.
1: Uh, and in it, Frogger was an actual investigative reporter.
0: Yeah, it was yet another Ruby Spears retreading their Scooby-Doo formula.
1: It also showed up, also Frogger did show up in the Frogger episode of Seinfeld.
0: Yeah, there, there's a famous, famous moment where... Uh, George Costanza, after finally beating his old childhood high score, which was still on the machine of this pizzerias, the pizzeria was going to close. And to preserve his high score, Jason has to buy the machine and throw caution to the wind, winding up playing the game for real on the streets of New York City.
1: (laughs) Which is such a great twist. Uh, Frogger's also been in Wreck-It Ralph, Pixels, and Ralph Breaks the Internet.
0: Yep. Uh, In Pixels, you actually see Frogger get revenge on all those cars that ran him over, because the first thing he do is he smashes a real car.
1: Good for Frogger. Uh, In 2006, a group in Austin, Texas actually took a Roomba, dressed it up as Frogger, and played a real-life version of
0: the game. And when I was in college, uh, when I would have to cross an insanely busy street with absolutely no crosswalks anywhere on the street... My friend Lynn Wood, who has been on the show a couple times, and I, we'd call it, we'd have to play Frogger.
1: Oh yeah, that was what we used to call it too. Also in the realm of science, Frogger is the name given to the transposon, or known as the jumping gene, in the family of the fruit fly, the Drosophila. I have trauma with that too, because that was, we worked with Drosophila fruit flies when I did genetics in, high, in college, and Dr. Katarsky was the little Dr. Evil just one calorie. More than enough evil. In 2008, the city of Melbourne created a spin-off called Grogger as part of a public service announcement to encourage people to take safe transportation home after a night of drinking. And that leads us to... Oh, what? Hang on. So we have to talk about competitions a little bit. Okay. So we already talked a little bit about George Costanza's Seinfeld episode. But... There was something that happened before it, and most of you guys don't know this brand, but Ricky's Famous Sauce actually had put out on November 26th of 1999. They offered ten thousand dollars to the first person who scored a hundred points. Um, not a hundred. You mean a hundred
0: thousand points?
1: No, one million points. I was one million. Okay. One million points on Frogger, or. Just $1,000 to whoever sets the new world record before Y2K. On March 25th of 2005, a man by the name of Robert Um Maruskic offered $1,000 to anyone who could beat the fictional world record set by George Costanza if they did it by the end of the year. In December 1st of 2006, John Cunningham offered $250 for exceeding the same a fictional world record. Um, if someone did it by February 28th of 2007, no one has ever collected these mo- this money. And any scores and any scores that did were well past when the bounty was set.
0: Ironically, Frogger didn't even have a high score board in, uh, built into it.
1: Nope, but there is current the current uh, person to currently hold the high record is Pat Lafay of Westport, Connecticut. He scored 1,029,999 points. And that was in 2017. He's the first person to break it on an original arcade machine.
0: Okay. So let's get into what actually spurred our interest in talking about Frogger this week, which was the kind of unlikely, but also all too explicable revival of the property as a stunt variety game show,
1: yes, 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 yes. In in the in the rich tradition of "Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego?" You don't know Jack or Clue if you're in Britain. Frogger became a game show, in the likes of Wipeout and American Ninja Warrior, and it is addicting because. And I'm going to say this, you you could be the best athlete in the world, and you can still lose to a mother of three. Yes. That was my favorite episode.
0: Yes, this show is uh, available on Peacock right now, which is, of course, NBC Universal's streaming service.
1: It's for free. You can sign up for Peacock, and you can watch the show for free. You don't have to pay for Peacock.
0: Yeah, it's I think you just free. get a, get longer commercial breaks, I think.
1: That's good. That means I can go downstairs and get something to drink while I'm watching it.
0: Now, your hosts for the show are Damon Wayne's Jr., who best known in nerd circles as the voice of Wasabi in Big Hero 6 and sports commentator Kyle Brandt.
1: I love how they when they first introduced Damon Wayne's Jr. on it, he, they're just like we couldn't afford the senior, so we got the junior. Just like, oh my God. They are hilarious to watch because they kind of get into it a little bit. Like they actually get into cheering them on. I will say the one thing that really cracked me up was when um, Damon sat there and he started getting upset because all the competitors were being so friendly with each other and rooting each other on. He's like, you're enemies. That is your enemy. That is your enemy. You're supposed to annihilate each other. And Kyle Brant goes, what about sportsmanship? He's like, that's after you die. (laughs) in the game i was like oh my god but yeah that's the other thing i have to say like i like how the different competitors at least of the the couple of episodes that i've watched they are not like nasty like they are very much cheering each other on you know there's like one moment where one girl's like oh my god you just passed me ah and it was like you know, but then it was just like, you got it, you got it, you got it. And it was very cool to see that kind of sportsmanship because you, you don't normally see that Indeed. in game shows.
0: Now, something I noticed, uh, you, you saw those that row of arcade machines in the background of a lot of the sequences, right? Yes, I thought that was awesome. Now, those were not original Frogger machines. Those were actually the arcade one-up versions. Mm-hmm. I believe I saw a punching bag game in there too.
1: Every I've noticed that every episode, it's a different set of arcade games. Oh, okay. Like there's some some are the same, but there's like one or two different ones. And I, if Arcade Up didn't donated that as like a way to advertise themselves, good job. Yeah. Because the geeks in the crew right here and some others mm-hmm. are are sitting there. We're like, ooh, what game is that back there? I do like, I have to say, I like how they did the, the, the frog temple, which is in the normal regulation episodes is the final. I like how they did it where you have to try to save the five little froglings
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: five minute time period and that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about him in just a moment. Uh, we, I do want to talk about some of the regular rounds first because they okay. rotate in and out for each game. This is true. But uh, the two that would be most recognizable to fans of the arcade game would be Ribbit River, which is basically deriving a lot of its theme from the second half of the stage in the traditional game, mm-hmm. and Frog City, which has, uses a lot of the tropes of the, of the first half of the stage, so a lot of, a lot of traffic, a lot of cars.
1: There's an out-of-bounds that was the one that got me. They're like, there's an out of bounds." I'm like, there's an out. Of, oh, there is an out of, like you actually see the, and someone did go out of bounds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like was
1: trying not to, but she did. And it was like, Oh no.
0: Yeah. It was poor Elena.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I liked her. I like her, her and, um, Elena. Was that the, the, the mother? The th- that's of three the one right. who
0: got out of bounds. Elena.
1: Elena. So we, then Nicole we'll was the
0: eventual him. winner of that round.
1: Yeah. That was the mother of three. It was the mother of three. Yeah, poor Elena. She's like, I'm a dancer. I can do this. And I'm like, oh, only if you have a good running leap, kiddo. Only if you're good running leap. But yeah, those are the two that I recognize. I was still trying to figure out what game frogs in space came from.
0: I'm not sure, but I, I think it's an original. I would not be surprised if it were an original creation. The obstacles in that one include some space amphibians, which are just basically spinning frog or sprites. Mm hmm. And the 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 space worms. That, that's a one of two rough obstacles at the end. The other one being those doors on that space shuttle.
1: Oh my god! That open and close every two every like two two seconds seconds. I'm like, what the hell? Like, and you could see them, like the people sitting there trying to memorize like the pattern. Yeah, and then there was, oh, what was it? Um, oh yeah, Frog Island.
0: Frog Skull Island, to be precise. Frog Skull Island, yep. Featuring the Jolly Frogger.
1: Yeah, it's like Oh, what's some of the other ones?
0: Um I, I didn't I saw there was like a candy themed one.
1: There's a candy themed one that's based off of so there is a game called Frogger in Toy Town. And Candy Candy Frogland is one. And that's actually one of the ones in that game, and it's a kid's game. Because Frogger in Toy Town is such a newer game, and it does have like downloadable content, they've actually been uploading the stages that they create on the game show into Frogger in Toy Town. Okay. They're kind of tying everything into it, which is really kind of cool. I love the fact that they have all the guests that come on explain when they if they played Frogger and when they first played Frogger.
0: As a matter of fact, uh, in the second episode. One of the contestants, Ryan, is ranked 10th in the world for the game.
1: Yep. That was so cool.
0: But yeah, every episode does end with the boss Toad's temple, which I, I get serious Legends of the Hidden Temple vibes out of, out of this section.
1: Well, I think anything that has a temple in it and has you running through trying to collect items is always going to be uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple, which that game show needs to come back.
0: I think contestants on this show were thankful that there wasn't anything akin to the shrine of the silver monkey.
1: Yeah, I can't. I would be the same way. I'd be like, I'd see that be like, I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. I will say this, though. When I first saw the little froglings, I honestly thought they were baby Yodas.
0: And now Tanya's is going to hear this and she's going to go right to watch the show.
1: I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure mentioning Baby Yoda in any way, shape, or form will get Tanya and Anne squealing.
0: Yeah, I, I I think somehow they heard us even though they're not in either room here.
1: No, I'm pretty sure they have a super ear when it comes to that. Go and watch Comic Chicks, you'll understand what we're talking about. So none of the other levels are timed, but the final level is. They get five minutes to try to collect five baby frogs. From the arena and they only have one life, which means when they die, however many frogs they have is their kind of.
0: That's their score. That's it. That's
1: their score. And they have to be back in the baskets. Like they can't, Mm -hmm. they can't have one in their hand on their way. Like they have to be in the baskets on the center island. Yep. Akin Um, to the
0: original game.
1: Yep. Akin to the original game it's very interesting because you'll watch some of these guys actually sit there and try to um, hail Mary the frog into the baskets. <laughs> and I think in the first one, there was the one contestant who was the YouTuber. She's like, you have to get your baby. Don't forget <laughs> like yelling it at the guy who was, who was trying, who was going up the, the waterfall of the temple. And there's one right there. You could reach. And he just kept going and she's yelling at him about, you left your baby. It was like, oh, my God. like I was sitting there and I'm like, the sad thing is I know that if I was competing, that would be me. I would be yelling at him, don't forget your baby. You're a horrible dad. So, yeah. So I had Haley watch this because Haley's favorite show was was Wipeout when that was on. And it's kind of Ninja Warriors. But I, I text her. I'm like, you need to check this out. It's on Peacock. I know your parents have it. So, and she's like, yeah, they do. So she watched it. She goes, I want to be on this show now. And I love my niece.
0: Yeah, this is a continuation of that water-based obstacle course genre, which includes Wipeout and includes shows like The Floor is Lava.
1: And, and, the thing, and I was just like, you wouldn't make it too far. She's just like, I don't care. I would totally have, I would be like, once like she was, I'm like, I'd be like, can I just run the course? Like, I just want to run the course. I don't care about dying. I just want to run the course once. Just let me run the course. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I can totally see you doing (laughs) doing that too. But I looked at him like, man, I kind of want to be on this show. And then part of me is like, man, I don't, I, I don't have the athleticism to pull off half of this.
0: And I want to give a quick shout out to the commentators for correctly noting the upper corner alcove slash frog home in the original arcade game being the toughest one to get.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, they are completely right on that. I was like, oh, my God, we have gamers. We have gamers as commentators.
0: And as another little side note on that uh, Frogs in Space stage, did you notice the little frog peering out the porthole on the rocket ship looks a little bit like the Parker brothers box art for the original console ports. Really? I have to go back and look at that now. Yeah. That's... It's not a one-to-one match, but they, it's pretty they, close. They're, they're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I have to say, cause I, I really was wondering this. There's, there were two things that I watched contestants do and I, and on the Frog in Space one, I have a feeling it's because it's probably out of bounds, but it isn't marked as out of bounds. As Everyone tries to go around the front of the spaceship, but there's no doors on the back of the spaceship. Mm. And it's not marked out of bounds like it is over in Frog City. Because of how it is, it's kind of more on, because it's pushed down enough onto the playing field. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you you could go the other way, dude it's not marked out of bounds. <laughs> like it's not, it's not part of the mark for out of bounds, but everyone goes the front way. Cause I guess it's like, Oh, well that's where the challenges, I guess I have to go that way. Okay. And then uh, in frog city, you know, where the, the three cars that go every two seconds and you have to literally just like yeet across the front of them. Right. Or you get pushed off. I was looking at, I'm like, I'd climb on top. <laughs> And just crawl across top of the cars. Like, I'm like, am I being timed? No, I'm crawl. I'm going to climb. Just unless they're going to yeet me the other direction, like actually suddenly like pop a wheelie and send me flying. I'll crawl across the top of those things. I was looking at watching. I'm like, I would have done that because I'm watching um, Nicole try to go in front of them. Like it's t- to do that and grab the pizza. You can't do it. It's too hard. For as quick as they are. And there are some of the obstacles on there that I watch and I'm like, that's not cool. Mm. Like some of the timings of them, I'm like, you know, you need to have more of a space in between there to have a fighting chance. Like in um, Ribbit River with the water jets that push out every. The Jason
0: waterfalls.
1: Oh my God. And then the. the I wrote this
0: down 300 gallons of water every millisecond.
1: No one can move that fast. I have to say the one girl who did it where she just kind of, she didn't try to stand on top of it. She ended up actually being on the slide, but she was holding to them as she went from one to the other. Cause it didn't count as her falling in the water. Cause she didn't really fall into the water in the main water pool. Right. And I'm like, that's the smart way to do it where you're using the the thing as kind of to brace yourself. But they need a more of a delay in between those to give that more of a fighting chance. Because that, to me, that's that's OP as hell. Like, that no. was a
0: very difficult obstacle. And, and that's the first thing you see in the first episode are Keith and Caitlin struggling on Jason Waterfalls. Yeah. We, we watched he- them go into the drink four times collectively before either of them gets past it finally.
1: Yeah, it was, that one there was, like, that, like I said, that was OP'd as, as heck. Like, I'm like, no, you need to, I was, as someone who would be a designer, I would be like, that needs to get turned down. Make it like some of the others where it's every two seconds. Give Mm -hmm. these guys a chance because literally after they make it past the waterfall, they're both wiped.
0: Yeah,
1: Like, they have no energy for the rest of that. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like, no. You yeah,
0: you could tell poor Caitlyn was struggling when she slipped on one of the logs and was trying to lift herself back up. I swear it sounded like she was giving birth.
1: She was you just when you saw her, you were just like with her one leg hooked up and she's trying and you hear Keith yelling at her, you got this. Like he's cheering her on. You know And you can just see the complete defeat on her face. Like she was just so exhausted at that point. And I just remember sitting there watching. I'm like, yeah, that, that, if I was a producer, like I'd be like, okay, those need to get changed because that's too much on the start, starting out of the gate. That should be something towards the end, not towards the beginning.
0: Mm -hmm. And one last thing I want to call out before I run out of my notes Mm -hmm. is, uh, in that same episode, uh Jeremy um, on Frog Skull Island, he could have just climbed up to get to that rope, but nope. He tried to jump to it from the cargo net. I don't think he realized you could get on the ship. Me neither. Like, I,
1: but I don't think he realized wow. it. I watched him do it and they're all yelling at him. Like even the announcers are like, get on the ship. You can get on the ship. You have to get on the ship to get to the parrot. Just get on the damn ship. Mm-hmm. Nope. He tried to assassin Creed that shit and ended up in the water. I literally was like, "No, don't, ju- don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do!" Pfft. You deserve that death. You do not deserve that life. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I love that's the all I f- got
0: for the show. Really?
1: Yeah, I will say I have to say it was a great show to watch. The announcers are hilarious as hell, and I love the fact that like Dame- Damon is the one who tells them. Frogger two. life. Like he's the one. And and if they shout at him, he shouts. He goes back on it and he talks back to them. Like, I thought that was great. I'm like, yes, that would be my power with a microphone. I'd be like, just shut up and jump. (laughs) (laughs) No comment from the peanut gallery. So I I genuinely, I I genuinely like the show. I think it's one of the better adaptions that I've seen. For a game show, I mean, the number one uh, game, sh- video game turned game show will always be to me, uh, Carmen Sandiego, because that oh, was extremely well done. And yes, we all we all shed a tear when the chief died, because she did. I, she was an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. But I will say, if you want to, if you want to have a good time, just le- just belly laughing and just having fun, because the one thing I will say is the contestants were having a good time. No one took it overly seriously. And it's fun watching a show where the people playing in the show are just having fun. Except that Ribbit River. I'm sorry. (laughs) You need to fix that. You need to fix that one. I highly recommend this show. I mean, just Kyle Kyle and Damon's just commentary is just hysterical. Especially who they were picking on? Not Jeremy. Who Who is Jeremy up against?
0: Blade. Jeremy was up against Blade, who was who, named after the Marvel character and films.
1: Yep. But what was really, but I have to say, was really funny was they kept picking on Blade because Blade was played football in Harvard. So throughout his whole entire run, they're like, just so everyone knows, he played football in Harvard. You're going to hear it every five seconds, how he played. Like, they were making fun of it because in his intro he brought it up like every couple seconds how he pl- he went to Harvard and he played football at Harvard so literally the hosts were like picking on him throughout the whole his whole entire run about how he went to Harvard and he was the first person to fully complete his course too mm. yeah he was the first one to complete a course on the game on the actual show okay. He completed on like his last life but yeah he was the only like so far like he was the first one to fully complete a run and make it to the end
0: Yeah, and I believe Cat made it to the end of the Frogs in Space.
1: And Cat made it to the end of the Frogs in Space one on her second life. uh, Because she had died the first time, but she got pretty far. And then, because she got got booted off by by, um, Frognik, which is what they called the the satellite. She got right off.
0: And on that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we will have this day in gaming history. Stay tuned. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a non-profit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at krissi at fc3roc.org and me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking, that's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. So, in keeping with the classic gaming discussion that we had going on in this episode, my source for this day in gaming history, MobyGames.com, cites today in 1982 was the release of Ms. Pac-Man. Woo! I'm very surprised they were able to find source documents citing that release to the day and date for an arcade game, because those are rare.
1: Yeah, because usually they just kind of, Arcade games just kind of sprout up. You're not quite sure where they came from. They're just suddenly there.
0: Of, of course, we know the story. General Computer Corp had been making little modification add-ons to arcade games. And uh, they got caught by Atari for their Missile Command 1. And they were working on one for Pac-Man and decided, let's just bring it to Midway. And by sheer coincidence, Midway was getting impatient with Namco for taking so long to release the follow-up to Pac-Man. So they mm-hmm. were like, we'll take it, happily. And yeah, they just it, modified a few things and uh, put in some new mazes. And Ms. Pac-Man is probably the best Pac-Man game to have never been originally made by Namco.
1: Do you know that um, Namco actually doesn't own the rights to it?
0: Not 100%. The no. rights to the code are still were still held by General Computer Corp. And they apparently sold them to a company I have very little love for at games.
1: Well, the thing is is that, um, I actually did not realize this, but when someone in Namco put out, I think it was the Pac-Man like 25th or 30th anniversary and they put Mrs. Pac-Man in there, they got into a lot of trouble with the guys because they actually had a signed deal with them that they could not use any of the original Mrs. Pac-Man game without paying them for that work. So someone, up, as we know, Executives slip over. New people come in, and and somebody there forgot about it and got in trouble <laughs> with the guys at General Computers Corp. So they and and it, and it was interesting because one of the guys who created it had seen the arcade unit with the Mrs. Pac Man on it, and it was a new game, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Huh, that's not right," and looked into it and was like, "Oh no." That's not right. We should be getting paid for this. Which is also why Pac-Man has erased the original Mrs. Pac-Man from the current canon that they're putting out now.
0: Right. But there is one loophole Namco can leap through successfully. Replica arcade machines that do not take coins, they can still do. Which is why you still see Ms. Pac-Man machines from Arcade 1-Up Mm mm-hmm because that's a little because that's
1: different they namco cannot make money on the traditional way of your quarters they can they can create that and sell it to arcade up but oh my god yeah so that's why if you ever watch any of the current pac-man cartoons like they kind of miss pac-man is not there it's like a new character they give it a new name doesn't look anything like her because they're trying to avoid getting sued again
0: that and they're also trying to make pac-man a little younger continuity wise and if he's married th- that kind of ages the character a bit in kids eyes
1: well the other thing is too i mean it wasn't like her name was mrs pac-man it was miss pac-man right very easily be sister. but then
0: they have baby pac-man and junior pac-man and those had to come from
1: somewhere let me tell you something about junior pac-man that game that game is evil that is like the seventh realm of evil
0: that game and we will discuss that at some point in the future, mm-hmm. when, once we can finally find some space on the schedule for it. We're, we're starting to build things up quickly here.
1: Yep. We do have a couple of things coming down the pipeline. We will be bringing back our panel of CODs players to talk about CODs play and and the and how that is considered a form of play. So if you have any CODs playing questions or things you want cleared up, make sure you put it up on our Facebook page and we will ask the crew.
0: That's right. We've all, we're also going to be starting our look at the Toy Hall of Fame inductees in chronological order. We've of course got the Women in Video Games episode we just came up with while recording this one and mm-hmm. much much more.
1: Yeah, and if there's any topics that you want us to cover, let us know. We'll talk about it. Except Blizzard. We will not talk about Blizzard or Activision because that's still too raw.
0: Yeah, for now. For now. Maybe next year once Microsoft fully owns it we can T- talk about some of that in-, in full again
1: yeah maybe even have some uh, resolution in court cases on that one
0: mm-hmm. but in the meantime thank you so much for tuning in um on behalf of chrissy harding i'm james irish game on
1: bye everyone Whoa! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of pretty get started ain't it? Oh, Froggy Money he did ride Crambo. Froggy Money Corton, he did ride Crambo. Froggy Money Corton, he did ride a sword and a and a revolver by his side. C-Crambo. Crambo. Crambo killed La 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 Ro 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 Ro